We thank God for his mercy and his righteousness. Second Kings chapter 2 verses 9 to 14 will be the passage of our text tonight. Second Kings 2 9 to 14. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and ran them into pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and smote the water, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, departed hither and thither, and Elisha went over. For centuries, theater has been used for entertainment and for informal education. Theater is divided into two parts, the stage and the audience, and there are many genres or forms of the theater. There, there is the musical, the drama, the documentary, even the puppetry, and funny enough, there is what they call the theater of the absurd. And truly, it is very absurd. Just looking in our environment, the church looks a little bit like a theater. We have the upper stage, which we call the platform, and we have the main part of the sanctuary. This is what usually the theater looks like. William Shakespeare, a British prolific and renowned playwright and poet, said in one of his plays called As You Like It, that all the world is a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and some man in his time plays many parts. It's true that the world is a stage because we're here today and tomorrow we are gone. 
It's a stage. It's just for a limited time. There is an entry and an exit, and that is for everyone. So it is true in that sense. But what is not true is that all men are players, merely players. That means, like in the theater, the people, the performers are assigned their parts, just like the musicians tonight, we've had uh, beautiful music. They've played their part. The parts were assigned. The notes were assigned. They had to pay, play the note accordingly, assigned to be like that. Mankind is not assigned that way. We are not assigned to just come and then leave based on what we are assigned to do. That is predestination. We are not predestined to be sinners. We are not predestined to do bad things. We are born in sin, but Jesus said, you must be born again. So in theater of life, there are things that we can learn, there are things that can be told us, there are things that we can see which are not true, which can be misleading. But thank God there is another theater. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, we read, Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the end of the world are come. That means we also have God's righteous theater. In God's righteous theater, God presents to us the cast, the people in the Bible that we can read. Each time we read the Bible, each time we hear about the Bible, we are in a theater of God. God is putting before us his cast of performers, people that have lived, and he wants us to learn from them. We can hear their voices. We can picture their acts. When Jesus walked by River Jordan, we can hear his voice as he preached. We can see the people as he touched their lives, the ones that he raised up from the dead, the ones that he, he cast devils from, the ones that he told that they should rise up and walk. We can picture these people because it is God's theater. And what is amazing about God's theater is that it is very dynamic. It is it's not limited to a group of people like this, like in the theater, where you have a group of people and then they act and they perform for the group. But whether you are one in your room or you are in a group, it is still the same. God still lets you see this performance. And what you see and what you hear is not for entertainment. It is to give us eternal benefit. To help us to understand what will help us to get to heaven. To help us to, to, to have the most important thing in life. 
This is the theater that God put before us. So tonight, welcome to God's theater. And tonight we have the cast of characters. We have Elijah. We have Elisha. We have the sons of the prophets. And in the background, there are the people of Jericho also. So we read about how Elijah and Elisha were going, they were actually going from Gilgal to first, they were going to uh, go to the place that God was going to take him. They would go first to Bethel and then to Jericho and Jordan. And as before they went, Elijah told Elisha that he had to go to these places and told him to stay behind. And Elisha said, no, as God lives and as your soul lives, I'm not leaving you, I'm going with you. Elijah knew that something was about to happen. And so when they got to Bethel, the sons of the prophets, we don't know how long they were there in Bethel, but they knew that Elijah was going to be taken up. And they told Elisha, do you know that your master will be taken away from you today? And he said, I know it. Hold your peace. Same thing happened in Jericho and also in Bethel. But the amazing thing is that Elisha, Elijah didn't tell Elisha directly that he was going to be going. And people wonder, how is it that the man that had served him for this many years, he wouldn't tell him where he was going. He wouldn't tell him that he was about to leave. Well, there is a reason why Elijah didn't tell Elisha. It is because Elijah was old school. Elijah, Elijah knew that if Elisha was going to be able to hold on to the gospel, hold on to the power of God, he had to be able to hear God's voice by himself. He had to be able to know directly from God by himself. He couldn't spoon feed him. He had to develop connection with God by himself. That's the way the gospel is. The gospel is old school. The gospel is the old time religion. The gospel is a place where you cannot be spoon fed. You cannot be transferred upon the power of God. You have to want it yourself. You have to seek it yourself. You have to know about it yourself. You have to love it yourself. It can be conferred by parents or by friends or by teachers or by preachers. It has to be sought by each one of us individually. That is the old time religion. There is only one way to heaven. It's by the way of cross. It is by the way of salvation. It is by the way of faith. The way of humility. It is by the way of submission to God. It is by the way of holiness. 
Elijah knew that and he wanted Elisha to have the real thing. He didn't tell him. What we see that this is not limited to Elijah. Jesus told the disciples, will you also go away? Because it doesn't pay to just be there and just be there for the sake of being there. If you are not going to be ready to submit completely to it, will you go away? And they said, no, 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 we are not going anywhere. You have the word of life. We're going to stick with it. That's what Elijah was trying to get out of Elisha. And we see in the life of this man of God, this Elijah man, this wonderful man that was an iconic figure in the Bible, the mighty man of God, the one that was able to touch God and call on God and stop rainfall for three and a half years and call God again and the rain came down. The man that was able by the power of God to outrun the chariot. This man, we can see from his life how God was empowered in his life. We could see in his life how God used him and he was successful. He made it. He was only one of two people that was that were the prototype of the rapture. They didn't die. God just took them, himself and Enoch. This was this man. But this man, Elijah, he was just human like you and me. Sometimes he was discouraged. Sometimes he wanted to give up. But then he would, he would hold on on God again. God help him. And God will help you. God will help me. It may be difficult sometimes, but God is true. And God will do it. We see another one in this drama in the theater of, 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 of God. We see the son of the prophets. They were told that Elijah was going to be taken away. They knew probably Elijah because he wanted the parents, the prophets, to know. He told them. And they told the, the sons of the prophets. But amazingly, we see them at a distance. They didn't go near when Elijah and Elisha crossed River Jordan. They did not cross with them. They were at a distance looking on to what was happening. And after Elijah got back, crossed River Jordan and got back to be with them, they told Elisha, we have 50 men here. Let's get them to go ahead and search in the mountain and in the valley, maybe. The Spirit of God has cast down Elijah there. These same people that were telling Elisha that God was going to take Elijah away, they were telling Elisha, maybe God's power is not sufficient enough to do what he said he was going to do. Probably the power of God was so limited that he cast down Elisha, Elijah 
in the wilderness somewhere. Let's go ahead and search. Oh, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to him, they must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If we don't have faith in God, we can please God. These people, they lost their faith, even though they knew what was going to happen. They didn't have the faith to do the right thing. It's just like the 10 out of the 12 spies that went to, to spy out the land for 40 days. They came back and they, they, they brought, they brought uh, the, the big cluster of grapes. And they told Moses and the congregation that the land that we went to, indeed, it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. But they put that there. But the people were strong. But the people, the cities were walled. And then we saw the giants, the Enoch's there. We saw the Amalekites. We saw the Kittites. We saw the Jebusites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites there. We are not able to go ahead and conquer this place. These people are mighty. God's power is not sufficient to do this. They didn't have faith. And because they didn't have faith, they failed. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6, 1. Paul said, We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Not to receive the grace of God in vain. These people, they received the grace of God in vain. It didn't profit them anything. They saw the miracles. They saw the pattern of the sea. These people, they saw the pattern of River Jordan. And yet, they felt that they needed to remedy God's power. That God's power was limited. It could do just so much, but not everything. Oh, I don't want to have a faith that is limited, that limits God. I don't want to have a trust in God that, that limits God, that is in vain. I want my faith in God to grow, to be up to what it's supposed to be. These people, they were like the cake that is not worth the candle. They were like the, the, the Jews that is not worth the squeeze. We want to be able to be worthy of the death of Jesus Christ. I want to be worthy of his being nailed to the cross. I want to be worthy of the word of, of the work of salvation that he did on me. We want to be worthy of it. We don't want all that God has given us to be in vain. For these people, it was in vain. Because they were limiting God. In their hearts, limiting God in all that they were doing. And then we see Elisha. Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's power. 
Elijah told him, you are asking for a difficult thing. And people think sometimes that why would Elisha ask for a double portion? You're talking about an iconic man of God, the mighty man of God. Why would you ask for double what he has? You're not even asking for the same thing or half of it. But double, they, feel, they believe that that is audacious. That that is ambitious, bold, reckless, daring. But really, truly, Elisha was none of this. Elisha was practical. He was wise. Elisha was respectful. He was anticipatory of what was going to happen. We just had a blast, a frigid blast, about two and a half weeks or so ago, and we, we've all felt it, and it was announced today how much damage it did. In some part, when we were having nine, 19 degrees here, that was really cold, in some other places, they were having minus 19 degrees, minus 20 degrees. When it is cold like that, you layer up. You have your thermal wear, you have your regular clothes, then you have your top clothes on that, on top of that, then you have your scarf and your hat because it is very cold. This is what Elisha was feeling. That if you, this mighty man of God, Elijah, if you had one, if you had one, my two is hardly one of yours. So if you have one, I need two. I need two to be able to withstand what you are able to withstand. You withstood Jezebel, who knows what is going to come after Jezebel. I need two, at least two. That's why he asked for double. Respectful of the power of Elijah. Respectful of what was facing him. Respectful of the time where he was leading. And he got it. And like it is said, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Right after that, he came out and he got to River Jordan and he smoked River Jordan just like Elijah did and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the river parted. He got what he, what he wanted. And then he got to Jericho and they told him, this place is pleasant, but we have a problem. The water is bad and the land is barren. We need your help. They knew that Elisha had the power of Elijah. And he got the pot, put salt in it, poured it out. He healed the water, healed the ground. He got the power and he performed some other miracles. Elijah, his story, what happened there is about 2,900 years ago. So if he wanted that level of power, what should you want today? 
What should I want today? If you wanted double portion, what should be the portion that you want and that I want today? Second Timothy, Second Timothy 3 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We are told that in the last days, the end times, perilous times shall come. This is not a matter of what was happening to Elijah and Elisha. This is not about maybe this could happen. He said that it will come in the end times. And then he says in Isaiah 26, 20, say, come, my people. Enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. When the storm is coming, they can forecast about maybe how many inches of snow we're going to get, the intensity of the, the wind, the rain and so on, but what they cannot what they cannot forecast is the individual effect. They can't forecast what will happen to individuals just during this past snow that we had. There were people that died. There were places where trees trees fell and people died. There were places where people got electrical thing on their cars and they died as a result. They were not planning for that. That wasn't in the forecast. But it is being forecast to us that perilous times shall come. In the end times, it is not maybe, it is a given. What do we need? One portion of the Spirit of God? If Elisha had double portion 2,900 years ago. How many should I want? How many should you want to be able to stand? This is the moment, this is the time that the Bible is telling us about to put on the whole armor of God so that we'll be able to stand in the evil day. He says that evil day is coming. It will come. And if you don't want to be swept away by it, we have to ask God to help us. Oh, what an amazing thing. Peter, Jesus told him, this storm is coming. Before the cock crows, this night, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, oh, no, no, no. Not me. Me? Not me. I've been with you. I walked on water. Not me. I have seen the transfiguration. I've been out and I've seen the devils themselves being subject to me. That's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to deny you what happened to Peter. He denied the Lord. If he has asked, Lord, help me. The only reason why Peter was saved was because Jesus prayed for him. What happened to Judas is what the devil planned for Peter. But thank God that Jesus prayed for him. 
Jesus is praying for you tonight. Jesus is praying for me tonight. But we need to ask God, give me a double portion, a triple portion, a quadruple portion of your spirit so that I'll be able to withstand. This is the time to get ready, church. This is the time to seek the Lord. It's not the time to play around. It's not the time to play church. It is the time to play, pray on the altar. This is not for entertainment. It is to seek the Lord. That's why we have the altars. And if you are not saved, you, you can start tonight. You can make sure that you seek the Lord tonight. The Lord wants to help you. And He will. If you seek Him, the altar is open. 680 is our song of invitation.